Sometimes the best stories in golf aren't found on tour. You'll find them at the back of the range. And here's your host, Ben Adelberg. Thank you again for joining me here at the back of the range. I'm your host, Ben Adelberg. This is episode 33. It's PGA Championship week, the final major of the year. Lots of Ryder Cup points are also at stake, so it is a very exciting and important week in the game of golf. I hope that everyone is excited for the tournament. I know I'll be watching a lot of it, but I won't be watching it from home. So if you're following us on social media, you may already know that we are heading out of town for another amazing golf trip. I'll be returning to Scotland and more specifically, St. Andrews, the home of golf, to participate in the Eden Tournament. You'll learn a lot more about that tournament pretty soon, but I haven't been to Scotland to participate in this tournament in a couple of years. I cannot wait to get back there. Now, I know what you're thinking. Does this mean that there won't be an episode next week? Come on. Of course there will. You can expect an episode next Wednesday because it's actually U.S. Amateur Week out in Pebble Beach. You think our guest might have something to do with the U.S. Amateur? Mm, I'd say that's a pretty safe bet. You do not want to miss this episode. So for all of our listeners, I'll be posting tons of photos and videos throughout the entire trip in Scotland. I actually have some podcast interviews lined up while I'm there. So the clubs are getting packed along with the microphones. I'll be playing a lot of golf, talking to some amazing people in St. Andrews. So stay tuned for that next week. So I do this all the time, but I'm going to keep doing it. Thank you so much for the support of this podcast. When you tell people about it, tell them you can find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. The central hub, as always, is thebackoftherange.com. That's where you can find all the previous episodes. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You'll find that information in the show notes of this podcast. And if you're listening and you like what you hear, please leave a review. Can't stress that enough. I will keep bringing you amazing guests each and every week. So speaking of Instagram, we've started something called Free Tal Tuesdays. You know the drill. Like our post on Tuesdays on Instagram, tell some friends, maybe give a tournament pick like we did this week for the PGA Championship. You'll be entered in a drawing, and we are sending free towels out every single week. So just a little thank you to all of you that have shown support for the podcast. And if you do have one of those towels in your possession, post it and tag us on social media. We need to get the word out, need to tell everyone about this podcast. Now, I won't be in town next week, so does that mean we're not going to do a free towel Tuesday? Yeah. Pretty much, but I think we're going to do a St. Andrews-inspired giveaway. So I'll hook somebody up with a souvenir from St. Andrews. So again, stay tuned, follow us on Instagram and all of the other social media platforms. So our guest this week is Patrick Gibbons. He's the owner of Patrick Gibbons Handmade. It's a little bit of a different episode this week, but remember, we like good stories here at the back of the range. This is a great one. So how does Patrick's company relate to the game of golf? Well, Patrick found himself at a fork in the road, so to speak, career-wise, and he chose the path of building a company that sells exotic leather golf goods. His start was humble, but now his product line includes belts made of, well, just about any skin you could think of, uh, head covers, yardage book covers, valuables pouches. He makes it all. And if you're going to be watching the PGA Championship, and especially the Ryder Cup on TV this year, there's an excellent chance that you'll be seeing some of his handiwork in the hands of the best players in the world. More on that later. So let's go to the interview now with Patrick Gibbons. Patrick, welcome to the Back of the Range Golf Podcast. Thanks for having me, Ben. Appreciate it. Hey, no problem. So you're out there in the desert and in Arizona. Uh, just to put it in perspective, 
for people that uh, see desert golf and think it's pretty cool, uh, but may not necessarily live out there. Uh, what uh, what's the temperature out there today? Right now, it's it's actually at noon. We're recording this, which is you know perfect timing. Uh, what's the weather like out there? I believe today's supposed to be about 111. Dear God, what do you do? Yeah, when, well, what you know, what what do you do when it's 111 degrees? I mean, you can't do anything, can you? No, no. I mean, after you've been here for a couple of years, the blood thins out, and <laughs> you know, but 114 is when it gets you know, a little bit ridiculous. Yeah. That's, um, that's when it really gets to the point where like, this is, we got to talk about this. Yeah. Yeah. You know, a hundred to 104, um, piece of cake. Yeah. When it gets above 104, you know, it's like, all right, this, this, let's find some shade. Um, you know, let's, maybe we're not going to play golf at one today. Maybe we have to start at 11. Um, and you know, there's always movie theaters, which are always cold. So, how, um, how much do you want to smack people around when they tell you that it's just a dry heat? Is that just really overused? No, absolutely not. I use it. Oh, okay. Um, because I, I use it all the time because, you know, friends back, you know, in Chicago or Ohio, you know, it's, when I tell them, hey, you know, you should come out here, move out here. And, and then they bring up, you know, it's like 111. And yeah, but it's it's a dry heat. It's It's totally different. Yeah. Yeah, I, I it is. Yeah, I no, I believe you. I'm just down here in South Florida where you're just it's a sweat box all the time in the summer. But uh um so let's actually introduce yourself to the listeners here at the Back of the Range podcast. We have a lot of uh amateur players, a lot of professionals, college coaches that have been guests uh in the past. But but your your connection to golf is very unique and I really enjoy the story uh, of how you started your company, Gibbons Handmade. Tell me how you got into doing what you're doing and explain your business and what you do for the game of golf. I, I make exotic golf accessories, you know, from head covers to bags to yardage books, belts, all sorts of stuff like that. And my, my previous life, um, I was in land development and home building and had done that through high school and college and after college and in 2008 with the economy um, correcting itself. You know, I received a phone call from our office in Chicago that said, you know, hey, tomorrow, let everybody know that, that they're released and it's the last day, the company's shutting down. Um, and, you know, you're, you're included on that. Um, <laughs> nice little bonus. So, yeah. Well, they did, they did offer. They said, hey, if you'd like to come in for two days next week and box things up, we'll pay you. Um, so, uh, once I found that out, you know, for the next two weeks, it, it was uh, just kind of numb figuring out like, Hey, this is what I've always done. What am I going to do? Sure. And, you know, in that process, um, I was in my home office and in my office, I, I had a collection of putters from my putter addiction that I had hanging on my wall and I was looking at them and saw one of the grips and thought, hey, you know, what if I made exotic putter grips? Because I sort of played that guidance, high school guidance counselor role where in a conversation, I asked myself if I could do anything in the world tomorrow, what would it be? What would it be? And my, my answer that I came up with was I would go golfing. Okay. Um, and I, I immediately knew that, well, I'm not going to make a living at it because I'm not good at it or good enough. 
and that's that's when you know I was looking at that that putter grip and thought, you know what, I bet you I can make a an exotic putter grip. And 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 let me just that's where it started. Yeah. So so you're you're so just to recap, you're in this this real estate development uh, uh, career path. Uh, the, the collapse in 08 forced you out. And did you have any experience making any of the, these things? I mean, your items, we're going to have, we're going to have links to, to your website and samples of your goods on all of our social media channels. And I mean, the things you're making are just absolutely insane, whether it's belts and yardage book covers and, and these grips. Did you have any experience in doing this whatsoever when you started? No, I mean, <laughs> I, I was a, uh, I was an art major, design major in college, and we we would have projects where we'd have to make little things. Um, yeah, I dissected so, a frog too, but I mean that doesn't mean I can make you know a, a leather grips and belts and things like that. So you you had a couple little projects when you got started, but really no experience creating this these sort of goods. No, no, I went to our local our local uh, golf shop and bought a bunch of putter grips, wind putter grips, uh-huh. and and ripped off the shell, the outside case of it, and um, you know, taped it up and created a template for you know, what size the grip would need to be to get around it. Um, I ordered some exotic leather from eBay and had it delivered and you know, cut out, cut out a, uh, the size of it, and proceeded to you know, put holes in it, sort of measure and there's holes should go here and here on each side and, and then stitched it up and it, it was awful. Um, okay. I still have it. Okay. <laughs> I, I still have it, uh, because it's just, a, it's just a reminder of really how, where, where, where I came from, um, how bad things were at the beginning. And over the next year, I just, um, you know, I would learn kind of tricks from people in the leather business. And it, they'd get a little bit better and a little bit better. And, and then, you know, somebody came to me and said, hey, you know, we can make a die for you that will cut the shape out and all 96 holes at once. You don't have to do it. Um, so it just sort of progressed. And then with the putter grip, the, you know, and, and being a putter addict, it was like, well, if I make a putter grip, I should make a, a putter head cover that matches. Of course. Um, so I started doing that and I bought a sewing machine, um, that had a, like a little governor on the, on the pedal so that if I pushed the pedal all the way down, it would only go so fast. Sure. sure. Um, and those weren't that good. So, you know, I, I started <laughs> you're really, you know, researching, you're... <laughs> uh, you know, it started from, from very, very poor quality at the beginning. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I started meeting people, learning different techniques, meeting people that, that I would bring, bring on board for, for projects. And, you know, a lot, a lot of them produced bad things. Some produced better. Um, and just developed a, a, a team that, you know, could, could help with production. Now, and, um, and did, you, did you start this more of just as a project to kind of keep your mind occupied while you're trying to figure out your next move? Or did you? No. Okay, so you just said, hey, I'm going to, this is going to be my company. I'm building a business here from, from was that your goal when you first started? Yeah, absolutely. That okay. was, you know, and I, I'd, I'd have friends and families, family members, you know, 
say to me, you know, do you really think that you can make a living doing this? Right. And, you know, I, I was a putter collector. I mean, I buy some of the goofiest things out there and I buy a lot of them, you know, like, but yeah, if, if, if I get to a point where I can make these, you know, at, at a high enough quality, this, this could be, this is what I plan on doing. You know, it, it got to the point where there were so many people that were, were saying this is never going to go anywhere. It just became an obsession to prove them wrong and, um, and be a part of golf and make sure. things. The quality of what you're putting out now just by, I mean, I followed your, your progress over the years and really kind of kept up with uh, the different items that you provide. Um, but, yeah, as you said, you're starting a exotic high-end leather, uh, a golf leather company during a recession, basically. And, yeah, not many people are pl- probably drawing up that strategy at that particular time. Not to get too, you know, personal into into the the financial history of your start but was there ever a point where you just were like man i i just don't know if i'm going to be able to do this oh yeah i have it every day i still have it <laughs> okay way. okay all right but, but, but you're but, you're selling no, stuff at, now and yeah but at the beginning um listen, i was ignorant going into it i didn't even think about you know, what you just said, starting a high-end exotic leather company in the, one of the worst economies in our country's history. I just wanted to do it. It was, it was ignorance. Because if I had thought about it, you know, if I go back and look at it now, I mean, I figured out a couple of years ago, had I just gone and worked at McDonald's 40 hours a week, I would have been better off. There, there wasn't, I didn't have a business plan. I didn't have a marketing strategy. I didn't have, um, like, hey, this is the money I'm going to invest, and that's it, and here's how I'm going to invest it. It was a type of thing where, all right, I need a couple hundred bucks to get a skin. Uh, I'll go do that. Uh, if, when it was time to develop my own underlisting for the putter, um, you know, I sold a motorcycle to go get that done. Um, you know, I, I cashed out of a 401k savings plan to keep the company going through the years. You know, if I were to do it today, knowing what I know, things would have been a lot smoother and, you know, things would have gotten, you know, to a level, you know, faster, but it was dumb. It wasn't dumb luck. I don't believe in luck, but, you know, fortunately the the ignorance was there because yeah, looking back on it, when I get, when I reached year five, you know, it's like, what, where is this going? What are you doing? Um, you know, you need to eat. Uh, you need, you need to, you need to pay people and, and it's, you know, it, it wasn't easy. Yeah. Um, well, it also you know, sounds like, you know, to, you know, it, it sounds almost like you're talking about it as if you're a kind of like a mini tour player, you're where you're just living week to week out of your car, just trying to keep the dream alive. I mean, that's really kind of why I was drawn to your story because you don't, you just sound like a guy chasing a mini tour dream actually. Yeah, and, and, you know, like a mini-tour player that maybe has a sponsor that, you know, throws them some money occasionally to kind of keep it going. You know, I had, I had one, one customer at the beginning. He's, he was my first addict. You know, I've got a handful of customers over the years that we sort of refer to as our addicts. But our first one, he averaged like 1.2 belts he'd order per week for the first 47 weeks. Oh and God. he has a lot of belts, but you know, without him, <laughs> it 
there, there, there wouldn't have been, you know, it, I, I would have probably been forced to just stop way back then. Well, and th- the thing about your products is that they're, they're so unique as far as like, I'm just, you know, like just going off the materials of the belts, whether it's alligator, crocodile, lizard, ostrich, you know, shark, stingray, snake. I mean, these things aren't cheap. And I mean, was there a huge market for this when you started? I mean, were people like, were people really thinking like, you know what? I really, I, I like what the guys on tour are wearing. I'm going to get one of those for myself. I mean, is, is, was that really out there at the time? Oh yeah. I mean, I, I think that's, that's the unique thing about golf is that the public uh, sees what people on tour are wearing or playing with and they want them. Um, you know, you don't see that in football. You don't see it in golf or baseball, <laughs> but in golf, it's, it's there. And, um, yeah, there, there's always been, you know, a desire from people. So one of the more unique products that, that you have, which I, <laughs> I just have to know the story. So tell me about, tell me about the ex fiance line. Well, when I, when I got started, I was in, in, with handmade, um, I was engaged and we had been together for about six years. And one day she happened to be out of the house and I needed to grab something from her closet. And when I was in there, I noticed a Louis Vuitton bag that was in the corner. And, you know, in the six years that we were together, I, I never saw her use it. And I picked it up and you know, the leather was a little tattered. There was a zipper broken. And obviously she never used it. And I thought, hey, this would be, this would be neat to cut up and make into something. So, okay. so I did. I, I, I cut it up. and I, I didn't wait for her to get home to ask if I could do it. Uh, I, just, I just did it. And I thought she would think it was kind of cool that, you know, hey, there's a grip or there's, there's a you know, head cover, you know, we made a pair of, uh, wingtip golf shoes with them, but apparently, um, even though it's tattered and in the condition it was, uh, she was not happy when, when she found out about, uh, well, about its current condition and, and uses. Shocker. So I, I got to sleep, sleep on a couch for about a week. So, so from that, you pretty much, now, do you have customers that are sending you stuff like this, like like old purses from old girlfriends and ex-wives, and they're just like, yeah, make me a belt out of this? Yeah, I, I get, um, you know, I, I had a customer this spring, I think he sent me six or seven bags. Um, <laughs> okay. But, you know, after that, you know, another customer, you know, contacted me or, you know, guy contacted me through Instagram and said, hey, you know, I've got my, my ex-wives bags. You know, I saw what you did. Can I send you mine? I'd love to. I'd love to have you cut them up, turn them into something that I can use. It's just kind of out of spite, but um, so yeah, they they send they send products in and there are bags in, and you know we cut them up and turn them into we upcycle them. You know, we yeah we give them a new life. Exactly. You know? So you're as you said, you're you're still every single day just wondering if this thing's going to work. Uh, you you've been doing this for quite some time. Uh, I think you're coming up on what eight or nine years now in the business. Can you remember the first time that you received kind of a inquiry from someone, whether it's a well-known player on tour or whether it was someone um, 
I guess my question is, is, is there an order that really stuck out in your mind that said, hey, wait a minute, people are starting to find out about this stuff now? Yeah, a, a couple months ago, um, this might not be the first one, but a couple months ago, you know, one that sticks out in my mind is, um, you know, getting contacted by a golf pro who was, was playing with Larry the Cable Guy. And, um, you know, he contacted me and said, hey, I'm here with, I'm here with Larry the Cable Guy. You know, he, he's interested to see if you'd be able to make him, you know, this type of head cover with, with this image on it. And, um, you know, he's, he's really, he's really wanted one. He hasn't been able to find a place, you know, that would do it. And said, yeah, absolutely. We can do it. So, you know, that, that's one that, that's just stood out recently. And now you've done also head covers for, um, you've done head covers and, and yardage book covers for some guys that have uh, played on, on the Ryder cup team. Uh, tell me about what you've done for, for Patrick Reed. Well, a couple of years ago, um, we made him a, uh, an American flag yardage book. Um, we'd also made a, a hand painted, uh, head cover, uh, and sent it to him, but it never arrived in the, in the locker room for the Ryder cup. So he never got that, but, but, but he did get, uh, he did get the, the yardage book that we sent. Um, and it was an inlay hand cut inlay lizard yardage book that he put into play for his first Ryder cup. And, you know, at the time of the second Ryder Cup, he had he had sent the picture and, and asked uh, if we could refurbish it for him. Sure. And there wasn't the thing had been used for for two years. It was there wasn't really any refurbishing we could do. So he he ordered he ordered one for himself, and then he bought bought one for each of the coaches or captains on the team. Um, but he always seems to go back to that original one. Um, you know, sort of a a good luck charm, I guess. Sure. Now you have also other clients that, uh, whether they're uh, professional football players or they're they're NASCAR drivers, things like that. Um, you're you're getting a lot of attention there. Are those the customers that you're really chasing after, or are you kind of targeting uh, guys that are you know like like similar to your beginnings, guys that are on the mini tours, guys that are kind of chasing it? Like, what's your um, ideal customer base that you kind of uh, like to to take care of at this point. Well, anybody that wants a product, I want to take care of them. Sure, sure. Um, you know, what one one guy that might be an athlete or celebrity isn't going to get more of my attention than you know the guy from Kansas that's a weekend golfer. Um, you know, I, I my focus the guy the people that I that I like as customers are guys that are creative, uh, that, that like us, you know, that have a certain style where, you know, where else are they going to get it? Um, sure. you know, we've, we had, there were this past year, father's day, um, and the honor of getting two calls, um, from one was a, um, player on the LPGA and the other was the wife of a former football player and both of them had just recently had babies so it was going to be the father's first father's day and um they contacted me to create uh, you know head covers as father's day gifts and i i thought that that to me um you know got kind of you know sappy or touched whatever you know sure. um that 
hey, that, that's a pretty, that was a pretty big honor. One, that they, they thought of handmade. Um, and two, you know, it's going to be their first Father's Day gift that, you know, ever. It's their first children. Um, that, was, that was fantastic. But, um, you know, the other thing, you know, just guys that like unique products um, that want custom. I mean, you know, you can go to, you know, most of the golf shops out there and, 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 and get inexpensive products that do the job you know, that are made overseas. And that's, and that's fine. It serves a purpose. I, I like to create things that are, are somewhat new, original. Maybe they can be edgy. <laughs> but where, where guys can say, hey, are you capable of doing this for me? This is what I'm looking for. And then being able to go fill that for them. That, that's my main goal. Gotcha. And what uh, you mentioned the LPJ, and I, and that actually was leading me into your next to next question. Uh, are you getting a lot of orders from from women on the LPGA tour? I would think some of your goods would be right up uh, would be perfect for for whether it's a, a you know same thing you're doing for the men. Are you getting a lot of attention from from the ladies? Are not just even on the tour, but just in general? Are you are you producing a lot of uh, products for for women? You know, we we produce products for. For women on the LPGA or Symmetra or, you know, in, in college, um, it, it's definitely, you know, as, as the company has, has grown and more people have become aware of it, um, you know, those doors open up and, you know, we'll get contacted by, you know, an, a, a player saying, hey, this is what I'm looking for. Um, you know, can, can you make this? Or I saw so-and-so has, has a yardage book or a head cover. You know, I'd like one, and this is what I'd like, you know, mine to be. I'm looking at some of the items on your website. Explain to me what, uh, how you came up with the, so to speak, the Effit uh, uh, brand. Well, years ago, when Handmade first got started, um, I, was, I was in a seminar, um, kind of like a business, personal growth, business growth seminar, and it was a 90-day group, and I used that phrase a lot. Um, and it just kind of became a joke amongst the other teammates of Patrick has a case of the ethics. Um, and at one point, a couple, few years ago, I was struggling really bad, more than usual, with my, my drives. And, you know, the question I'd always ask as we're, you know, getting up to the tee box is, do I hit the driver and where I don't know where it's going? Um, or do I, you know, go with a rescue or iron and just, and so my, a lot of times it was just, you know what, F it, go with the driver. Um, so it, it, it seemed appropriate for my game that I make a a head cover that said that. Nice. And it turns out that I'm not alone. Other people have the same, same driving issues. Sure. What, which product, I guess, um, I, I know you have different, you know, leathers and different things. Has there been one product or one idea that's been a very personal thing with you that's really taken off that's been kind of a surprise there's been a bunch of of ones where i was like i didn't i didn't think that that right i was making i was making it for myself i mean the first one is the ex-fiance um you know products sure i didn't really think that you know there'd be more being made you know the the asset driver was has been (laughs) very popular and then there's been some you know, various versions of the Epic driver that people have requested that we've, we've made. 
Um, you might be able to figure them out, but you know, we've, we've made those. So, you know, I, you know, I had a customer and customer friend, um, he's a, he's, he's a close friend now. He's been a customer for years and, you know, he had come to me at one point and, and had asked, Hey, you know, would you be able to take, you know, two pieces of leather, put them back to back, you know, like an alligator, just in a circle, stitch them together. And, you know, I'm going to use it as a ball marker. And I said, yeah, you know, that, that would be really simple to do, but you know, it's, it's going to be on grass. There's, there's the fertilizer. It's, it's going to end up in a bad, bad shape. Let me see if, let me see if I can take your concept and, and sort of, you know, adapt it to something better. And, you know, it turns out we, we found, we found these discs, metal discs that we could actually put the, insert the skin into. Um, and so we, we made ball markers for him and, you know, from him, from him handing them out or from, you know, being on social media, you know, people started ordering notes where it was like, this was just supposed to be, you know, a couple little things for one guy. And it turns out, you know, all of a sudden we're making, you know, hundreds of them. And how, how you just mentioned social media and, and how big, like, would you, Think you? Do you think you would have been able to get this off the ground without social media? Like, has have things really exploded for you now that you're just able to share things quickly on Instagram or on Twitter? Um, you know, is is it part your product, but also part timing of of the culture of business where you can just share this stuff so quickly? And not only that, but your customers can take pictures of your products and share them with their friends. Well, I, I think, I mean, social media has absolutely helped. Um, I, I think that, you know, at the beginning when, yeah, there was Facebook there, there wasn't Instagram, there wasn't Twitter. Um, when, when it was just like the beginning stages of, of Facebook, you know, uh, we, were, we, were, we were knocking on more doors. It, it, was, it was more, the word was getting out more through the golf forums. Um, like golf WRX, the putter talk, um, hackers paradise, you know, that type of word of mouth that was smaller and, and you, you know, you kind of had to be in those communities to have, to have heard about it. But with social media, you know, something can be posted and, you know, all of a sudden, you know, a hundred people are sharing it to their friends and I mean, just the, the, the world has gotten smaller um with with the social media avenues i mean it's it's absolutely helped um i would have just taken a different approach you know as far as you know how the word got out but it's definitely sped it up sure and and of the players that you see on tour that I, I guess this is probably like a pie in the sky wish but if there are there guys that you see on tour that you're like man i'd love to I'd love to have this guy wearing my stuff. Not not for necessarily the 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 business purpose of it, but are there are there stylish players out there, whether on the PGA Tour, or LPGA Tour champions, that you're like, man, I I need to send them some stuff. I mean, for me, you know, fashion wise, you know, I've always been a fan of Ian Poulter. Um, I you know, I, I think I think I could make some really cool things to go with with some of his outfits, um, and would 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 love the opportunity. Um, we'll see if that ever happens. Nice. So where do you, where do you see the company going? 
Um, is this something that you want to partner up with like a larger firm at some point, or do you want to stay independent? Do you have any long-term goals or, or what, what do you, where do you see uh, handmade going in the next uh, five, 10 years? Well, right now, you know, my, my focus is on, um, obviously marketing because at the beginning when, when the company started, you know, I was naive and thought, Hey, if I could just make something really cool, uh, it'll fly off the shelf and, didn't really pay attention or realize, you know, about marketing. Um, so, you know, I still continue with, with getting the word out there to people, but that's worked so far. And, you know, we're growing, we're getting more orders. And now, now a, a big chunk of the focus is on, um, you know, being able to expand our production line to take the orders so that, you know, the people don't have to wait six weeks for a product. Um, you know, I want to keep the quality uh, at, at the level or better than it's at now. Um, however, I'd like to speed up production. So, like this past week, we've basically um, figured out a way to be able to increase the production of our head covers by about 500%. Um, wow. That will then allow us to, you know, really focus on marketing to fill that 500%. Um, so it's, it's, it's a, you know, a game of getting the sales and, and then, you know, filling the orders and, and, and getting more and more and more sales and still being able to fill the orders, you know, at, at the level that I expect, you know, especially since it has my name on it. Oh, of course. No, I imagine there's a, such a sense of sense of pride and and uh, and and ownership with everything that you do. You're you're located in Arizona, but you also have a, an a employees working for you in in Portland, Oregon. Just to give people an idea of of the volume of what you produce, maybe on a week. I know that's kind of a tough question to give me you know, a specific, but. Can you possibly give me an idea of how many unique products are created each week? I mean, between between all the products that we do, and and it's and 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 we have a shop, you know, both in Portland and in Texas. Um, so there's there's some products that are made in Portland, um, some are made in in Texas, but between between two the two states. Um, you know, we're, we're doing, you know, hundreds of head covers each week, hundreds of belts, um, you know, a whole bunch of yardage books, and then, you know, a handful of the, a handful of the other products. So, um, you know, uh, yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm in Arizona. Um, at least that's, that's where the driver's license says. But, you know, it's, it's going between, you know, Oregon and Texas and, and then heading out to, to tournaments for, for tournament gifts and sizing and all that stuff. So, well, um, we kind of end this, these episodes with a uh, kind of just random questions here uh, to quick bucket episode or the quick bucket questions here at the back of the range golf podcast. So I've asked these questions to a lot of people and uh, you're no exception. So um, give me the answer to this, this question. Uh, Jack Nicholas won the masters in 1986 uh, compare that victory to Tiger Woods potentially winning a fifth green jacket. Which would be the bigger victory in your mind? Well, at this point, I think Tiger winning another Masters would be would be the bigger story. I mean, I understand Jack's age at the time and all that, but 
considering, you know, Tiger's health over the year, his absence from the game for the period that he was, you know, his, his comeback attempts, um, Tiger wins a, another Masters. That's a that's that's bigger to me, and it gets him one cl- one closer to Jack's title or you know amount of championships, yeah, majors. Absolutely. Uh, if you can give a major championship to anyone in history, who would that be? They could have no majors or eighteen majors. Uh, anyone you want to, alive or dead, who would you give a major to? Oh. Well, that's going to get me possibly in trouble with, with some of my friends that are out there saying, why don't you give it to me? Well, that, um, well, you can't give it to Reed. He's already got, well, Reed's already got one. So you're he's, kind of he's off. Got, of, yeah. He's got, he's got one. I, I, I would, I would want to give one to Lee Westwood. Very popular answer. I, I have no problem with that one. That's a very, very popular one. Followed closely by Pat Perez. Uh, have you, have, has he been a customer of yours? Pat was a partner of mine for a year. Um, in the company, and I love Pat. Um, I love Pat, his wife Ashley. They've got their first baby on the way. Um, Pat's the most real person I've ever met. Um, he doesn't have a filter. He's not mean, right. you, you know, like me, like no filter. He, he's mean. He he just if you ask him a question, be prepared <laughs> that you may not like the answer. Yep. You know, but he's he's going to answer it, and and that's a quality that I, I don't have, you know, I sugarcoat things and, and, and kind of pussyfoot around answers at times. And Pat's just, Hey, here's, here's what it is. I mean, he's, he's the most genuine person I think I've ever met. Do you think that, you know, he's a very unique person on the PGA tour. Uh, I, I really enjoy it when he's playing well. I really enjoy just kind of the way he goes about it. Um, are there enough people like that on tour? Do you think that perhaps that's something that the PGA Tour is missing, just more real people like him? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the PGA Tour is very protective of their image um, because of the corporation sponsors, corporate sponsors. Um, and I think that there's, you know, if I, I mean, especially with today with the, the – the social media and how fast things can get out and how things can be misinterpreted. I mean, I understand how, how, you know, guys are reserved and you know, that it, it's, it's not a sport, you know, like basketball where you have guaranteed money, you know, you can, in those sports, you can say what you want to say. It's not going to infect their, you know, their, their, their earnings with golf, you know, especially with sponsorship, you know, that I understand that, that guys, you know, you don't want to rub people the wrong way and, you know, Hey, maybe it's not the best that I give my, give this answer because of the, the consequences that could happen. I'd like to see it more. I, I would think that, uh, I mean, these guys are obviously the best in the world at what they do. Um, I respect that. I, I just think that, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're people, you know, they make mistakes. Sure. They have thoughts and feelings and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, I, I think at sometimes just to, you know, so that they're not up on some pedestal, um, not that they don't deserve to be, you know, but they're the regular guys. You know, what if you ask them what their thoughts are, it would be nice to 
you know, as people communicate amongst each other honestly. Well, uh, Patrick, I, I really appreciate the time. Uh, really appreciate what you're doing for uh, for adding some some more flavor into the the game of golf that everyone loves. Uh, we'll definitely put uh, some some uh, links to your products, and uh, hopefully, all the listeners will go ahead and enjoy them. So, again, thank you for being here at the Back of the Range Golf Podcast. Well, thanks for having me, Ben. I appreciate it. And there you have it, another great episode here at the Back of the Range Golf Podcast. Thank you so much to Patrick Gibbons. Great story, great company. Check out our show notes for links to his company's website. He has great offerings there. Go check that out. Support a local business. Well, I am out of here, heading to St. Andrews. Stay tuned on our social media platforms. I'll be posting tons of pictures and videos. And don't forget, we will have an episode next week. It is U.S. Amateur Week. Seriously, stay tuned for this upcoming guest. Hope you all have a great week. Enjoy the PGA Championship. I'll see you next time here at the back of the ranch.